You're listening to Your Art Friends, Beth Radloff and Andrew Thompson. They're about to have a thoroughly unserious discussion about art. But don't worry, whether you're Da Vinci or the Worst, there's room on this palette for every color. If this is your first time listening to Creatives Brainstorm, be forewarned, because once you start looking at life like an artist, there's no undo button. I'm Beth. And I'm Andrew. And we're your your art art friends. friends. Let's Let's set set some some goals. goals. Ooh. Yeah. So what are you working on or thinking about? Bitch, I ain't got nothing. I'm, I don't know. (laughs) It's 2022. It's the, you know what? I'll take that back. I'll start over. Let me start over. Hold on. Let me start over. I'm having a crisis. Yeah. And it's that. I need to kill my ego. I need to kill my ego in order to let my creativity thrive. And I'm realizing that. Yeah. And it's hard to realize. So I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kind of love that. Um, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm still like, I, I think I'm coasting on like the holidays still. And the joy of like being around my family. Cause I got to hang out with my niece and nephew for three straight days. I have not actually spent that much time with them ever. Like most of the time of it's only been a few hours because of the panini. Yes. The, the global panini, but also even prior to that, like I would only ever, like I would stay at my parents usually when I would go home for the holidays and then we would, you know, drive over to my sister's be there for like a couple hours and then go back to my parents. Uh, and this time I actually stayed with my sister. So I was a, like around my niece and nephew like 24-7 gotcha. basically. You talk about your niece and nephew all the time. You're low-key a family dude. <laughs> Maybe you're a high-key a family dude. I don't know. Like I, well, I always feel bad because I don't like ADHD, like out of sight, out of mind. I feel like I don't like call and just be like, oh, hey, like how are they doing? Yeah. Or like call them to like, you know, FaceTime my sister to talk to them. Um mm-hmm. And so I, I low-key feel bad about that. And then when I do see them, I like to try to, you know, plan something kind of fun. So, like, for Christmas this year, I... Yeah, what did you do, Andrew? <laughs> I took on this, What did like, you do for Christmas this year? You I gave freak- myself a, like, seven-hour project. <laughs> <laughs> I legit sat down at, like, 4 p.m. and started making custom-shaped Christmas boxes for their gifts... I've never seen this before. And it was outrageous. (laughs) I made a unicorn for my niece. And then I had to figure out a way to fit all of her gifts inside of the unicorn. So you made like a Christmas pinata? (laughs) Kind of. Uh, And then I like hot glued the structure of it together. And then there was like an interior box. I'll be posting these pictures on the Twitter because I took photos of everything. Um, Yeah, it looks like a horse, dude. He (laughs) built... He 3D modeled a cardboard horse filled with Christmas presents for his knees. Yeah. And then wrapped the horse. Yeah. Which so that it's sitting underneath the Christmas tree like a fucking horse. Yeah. What who does that? That was amazing. It was so funny too because like she saw it. She was like, I got a unicorn. I was like, oh, is that what I got you? And she was like, Yeah, it's a unicorn. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and she's not a unicorn. 
Amazing job. Between TikTok and the rest of the internet, this year I have been floored by the Christmas wrapping mm-hmm. community, the present wrapping oh, community. Wrapping, wrapping those those gifts, the unicorn and the dinosaur, because the dinosaur is my nephew's. That was a challenge I was not expecting. It was much more difficult than I thought to wrap those. Paper crafting at that point. Yeah. Because they really, they are hard-edged, silhouetted unicorn and dinosaur yeah. gifts that sat under that tree. I, I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed, dude. <laughs> Thanks. I did learn with the unicorn that uh, curved edges suck. Uh, so the T-Rex, uh, the dinosaur, only had one curved edge, whereas the unicorn had like five. Yeah. Yeah. You gave that thing a rump, didn't you? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's the beginning of 2022. So naturally, we're going to be talking about goals, why we have them, and what questions to ask to help define our life path. Now, this isn't finite because we're making a mood board this episode. Yeah. But first, Andrew, would you rather spend the next year working on one grand project or 52 small projects, <laughs> one each week. <laughs> oh, boy. And the grand project can be defined not by, like, one specific piece, but mm-hmm. let's say a graphic novel. Hmm. Why would you say that? Why would that be the example? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I would probably pick the one grand project just because the last few years I've done... In 2019, I did a a freelance gig that had like 54 illustrations, and that was prior to us meeting at the workshop. Um, But that was also crammed into like three, four months of time. So Mm -hmm. it was an insane amount of work, and I don't recommend it. Um, And then 2020, I did a lot of dinosaurs for this dinosaur game. And I forget how many I ended up doing, like probably close to 40 dinosaurs. Like they weren't difficult, but it was still a lot. And then this year, or in 2021, I've spent most of the year doing um, like 54 to 56 illustrations for this big client. Um, So I think it would be nice to have a break and work on one big thing. (laughs) Sounds like it. Damn, dude. You've been churning it out left and right. Yeah. And um I think it was earlier this week I was thinking about it and I have a lot of work that hasn't been shown yet because of NDA stuff. Cause I was like, Oh, yeah. like I want to make a TikTok of something. And I was like going through my procreate and being like, well, I can't show this cause it's not like been debuted yet. Released I can't yet. show this. I can't show this. I can't do this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's so silly too. I, you know what? Hey, are you making a board game? Listen to me, Beth. An artist on a podcast where we tell dumb fart jokes. Let your artists share the process. Yeah. Don't hide that behind an NDA. It's only going to help your game. Yeah. It. They also, someone might steal it and turn it into an NFT, but we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to talk <laughs> about how it's it's automatic promo for both you, your artist, and you. Yeah. No, there, I, I don't know why there was a third one there. <laughs> It's just, it's just your game. I have worked for clients in the past that have been totally fine with posting progress. Um, in my experience, it usually comes down to the bigger the company, the more secret they want things to be. So dumb. Piss off, Disney. Yes, that's the client I'm working for. Disney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not at all. If I really was and I just said that out loud, I'd probably like 
to get taken out or something by them. Moving forward, if this show becomes a one host show, you'll know it was the mouse who done did it. But Beth is going to do voices for me. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, you got to do the voice now. (laughs) What's... Oh, uh, I'm... I'm... Okay, can I do an Andrew impression? Hmm. Oh, I'm peeking my mic. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) This is the, the first draft of my Andrew Thompson Schmandrew art impression. And I'm Andrew. Um, like when we talk about like goals in like, I really enjoy like my <laughs> nephew, you know what? And whenever, and you know, you... <laughs> hello, hello, hello. I'm like, <laughs> there's part of me that's like, that's really good. And then there's also a part of me that's like, I've gotten better at not saying like every two seconds back. <laughs> oh man so why are we doing this why we why we setting these goals and killing egos and stuff like that because we're trying to fill a hole in our hearts and minds (laughs) why do we do this every year at the beginning of the year every human being says now i will finally be my best self this is the year for me this is the year that i shall uh from the cocoon emerge a poop moth. (laughs) (laughs) Poop moth. (laughs) The most amazing camouflaged animal on the planet, a poop moth. And so why are we any different? Oh, am I supposed to have a response to that? Because I don't know. I I don't know either. Do you want to take a stab at why we set goals at the beginning of every year? One, I'm against the whole like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym and I'm going to diet and do all like I I hate those ridiculous ones. And I hate the culture around it because it's all like capitalism. But I do like setting goals in terms of artistic career goals or life goals in terms of like, oh, I want to have more time to spend with my friends or learning how to do various home renovation projects. Mm -hmm. So what I'm hearing from you is that the canned goals, what we're expected to expect out of our lives are dissatisfying. And what you're more interested in is like the personal self-knowledge, self-goals, things that we want for our own individual lives. Yes. That's the better thing to do. Because I feel like the prepackaged goals are ones that our hearts aren't totally in. And so we start off and we're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Then we fucking two weeks in, we're just like, "Ah, I'm going to eat this entire thing of Oreos and do nothing. Yeah. I'm going to rebel against societal expectations that I be hot and have no acne. Fuck that. (laughs) I'm going to take this Oreo and I'm going to dip it in Cool Whip and eat it. (laughs) (laughs) live your best life baby (laughs) embrace that hedonism yeah yeah i think that's perfect because it's a great segue into what we're going to talk about this episode um we're going to talk about three different ways to sort of understand ourselves moving forward Mm -hmm. uh andrew and i have done some homework some personal homework homework. before this episode that was like legitimately difficult it's almost an essay like (laughs) 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 and the the answers that we have to some of these questions which i'll get into in a moment um they're nebulous they're things that you have to kind of reassess throughout your life or periodically and this is our first time asking ourselves these hard questions 
certainly this year. And I wonder if halfway through the year, we check back in and talk about it again, and maybe at the end of the year, check back in, talk about it again, because these things should be allowed to shift and change Mm -hmm. so that we can better understand what goals are ones that we want to stick with and what goals we're going to throw in the trash and eat the Oreo dipped in whipped cream. Yeah. I love the fact, too, that talking about goals and, you know, this idea that they can change and shift, it's very similar to art and illustration. Like you start off a project with an idea of what you want it to be. And then sometimes as you're exploring that idea, it changes and you realize that it needs to go a different direction. And part of being an artist is letting it go that direction and not being so rigid and being like, well, it must, it it has to be true to my initial vision or it is dead. Death of the ego. Yeah. Yes. That's the thing I'm struggling with right now, baby. And it's what I want to talk about first. It's self-beliefs. So Andrew and I watched a video by Struthless. I've talked about him on the show before. Cam Walker is his name. And he's an artist and a video producer and a a good thinker, right? And he has this YouTube video that's called How to Find Your Direction in Life, parentheses, a guide. And it has a couple basically journaling exercises to do. And so that's what we did. Mm -hmm. One of those journaling exercises is trying to understand your own self-beliefs. So. Let me read what he says in this video so that you can wrap your head around this the same way that we have. At some point in your journey throughout life, you made decisions about what you could and couldn't do as a person. Sometimes these decisions are positive. I'm good at music. I'm good with computers. I'm technical. Sometimes they are negative. I just can't sing. I'm not a gym guy. I'm a smoker. The only problem with these rules is that they don't exist anywhere but in our own heads. They are complete fiction. So you might say to yourself, I'm just not a fitness type. But why? When did you learn that? In middle school when I was picked last for everything. Oh, Bubby. Why does it always go back to when we are children? I actually don't think I was picked last. But I definitely wasn't A-team material. I was more like C-team material. I... Remember being so proud because I was a team of the girls. Nice. So all the boys would get picked. Because you're so tough. And then I would get picked. I know I'm very tough. And every once in a while, I would be like low tier boy level. (laughs) And that ruled. And then I got my period and everything changed. (laughs) Is that when the Fire Nation attacked? So self-beliefs. It, it, uh, which, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm being kind of weird about it because it's, it, self-beliefs are like a deeply personal thing for me. So like talking about this is a little bit more challenging for me, I think, than it might be for Andrew. <sighs> Maybe. It was definitely something that I didn't tackle until today. When I started to ask myself about these beliefs was the fact that I've, I'm kind of in the midst of figuring out a couple things and kind of unlearning some of these beliefs. Mm-hmm. There's certainly many, many more that I have that I need to dismantle and get to eventually. Um, but one of the ones that I'm currently working through and have been for a few years is kind of letting myself express myself in ways that a lot of people don't or a lot of men don't. And that's, you know, wearing a lot more bright colors and like embracing these things that I enjoy that you don't necessarily see everywhere. And I feel like it's been really fun for me because it's almost like it feels like I found a cheat code. Yeah. 
and I'm like enjoying these things. I'm like, oh, like this is so much fun. Like, you know, finding these pieces of, of my wardrobe that match colors in my artwork or, you know, scratch parts of my brain that I really, you know, enjoy. Um, and it's just like, oh, like, am, do I need to share this cheat code? It's like I have a game shark and nobody else does. And I'm just getting like Mew and Mewtwo's like left and right. <laughs> I've talked about it, I think, a little bit here. Mm -hmm. But for me, one of the core self-beliefs that I hold that has held me back in a lot of ways, it's helped me in a lot of ways, but it's its also become a detriment now, is that I'm a good girl. Andrew, I'm a good girl. But you got so many tattoos. You're so, you're so tough with your tattoos. That's the work that I'm doing, in part, like, uh, not a joke. Part of the reason why I'm getting tattoos finally at 31 years old uh, is to counteract this I, belief, this like self-belief that I'm a good girl yeah. and good girls don't have tattoos. They're quiet and they're polite and they don't draw snakes or blood or sex or gore or like any of the naughty things. They don't stir the pot. They're not political. They're not. There's like so many of these things that I am drawn to and curious about and interested in that I prevent myself from engaging with because it isn't somehow it doesn't fit into like my brand as a good girl and that's dumb it's, it's dumb and it's all in my head yeah the moment that i start drawing snakes and getting tattoos nothing changes no my friends didn't leave me <laughs> people didn't stop following me on twitter my personality's not different yeah I feel like it's it's just like in a video game when you can like customize your character and you're just like, oh, look, I'm going to put, you know, this cool cape that has a pancake on it on the back of my character. And your character is still just like going around vanquishing dragons and slaying demons. And sometimes that pancake cape gives them a plus two to agility. Right. And if you didn't embrace the pancake... <laughs> <laughs> then you wouldn't have known that bliss. I'm laughing at that because the pancake cake. Because it's a funny joke. Well, it came from playing Minecraft with somebody in the last two weeks, and I made that same exact fucking joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. We are very in sync. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other things that I tell myself. Um, something that I'm working through this year. So here's two more things, right? Yeah. And these are not necessarily tied with me as an artist. These are like personal identity things. Uh, I've always thought that I had bad taste in music. I'm not a person who listens to music. Is the thing that you've heard me say to you when you make references to music. And I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I have prevented myself from engaging with music because I've been on dates with guys who have said weird shit about music to me because of my taste in music or whatever. Um, and it has prevented, and you know, friendships since I run with some people who are like diehard music folk mm -hmm. and I can't participate in those conversations. And it just makes me feel small. And it makes me want to reject that entire genre of things. Cause I'm not enough. I'm not knowledgeable enough about it to, to play along. Right. Yeah. And this year I've decided, fuck that. I am still a podcast queen. I'm still going to enjoy myself. Some, audiobooks but i'm also going to start listening to spotify and figuring out what it is that i like and embracing that i'm finding that it's really enjoyable and also i feel like a little tiny baby girl 
a little sweet, insecure baby girl when it comes to my music. And I show it to my husband and I'm like, I like this. Is Do you like it too? And he's like, yeah, but that song is good. And I'm like, oh, validation. <laughs> and it's all in my head. Yeah. Mm. And the second thing was movie. I'm not a movie person. Is something that I've held on to for a while because most of the time I don't want to sit down and watch a movie. Mm-hmm. And that has turned into, Beth doesn't watch movies, so I never watch a movie, because that's my brand. No, it's not. You can watch a movie. It's fine. Yeah. Like, relax. All of this is to say, relax. Do stuff that feels nice. Yeah. Don't do stuff that doesn't feel nice. Yeah. That doesn't mean that you're any one way all the time. Yep. Yeah. In a parallel vein, I am a little, like, self-conscious of the fact that I don't read often. Yeah. And it's always one of those things where it's like when people talk about books and like recent books that they've read and novels and, you know, studies and just very literature centric uh, discussions. I'm always the person who's just like, mm hmm, mm hmm. And I just kind of like, <laughs> oh, I, I need to go get a drink now. And then just kind of jellyfish away from the, the conversation, because <laughs> that's that's definitely something that I am self-conscious about. But does that define you in any way? Is that. Does that like translate to a self-belief? It's weird because it's almost like I view it as like, not like a fear, but one of those, well, sort of a fear, but one of those things where it's like, I've always hated that I was a slow reader. Ah. And so anytime I read, I'm always like, oh, it's going to take me so long to get through this. And so I'll maybe start reading a book and I'll get like a couple chapters in or like a hundred pages in and it's it takes me a very long time to get to that point just because I'm a slow reader or sometimes I'll like read as I'm, you know, sitting in bed, getting ready to go to sleep and I'll like forget what I like one of the last things I read. So I'll kind of backtrack a few pages to like be like, what was I what did I just read the night before? Yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm wondering if this comes from, you know, childhood when they were like, oh, hey, if you read this many books, you get a free Pizza Hut pizza. And like, yeah. and being like self-conscious that I was like behind other kids or like that I felt like I was behind other kids because I was like, everybody slower. got a pizza, but me you got like three pizzas. I only got one pizza. Maybe I don't deserve a pizza. <laughs> so I'll never read a book again. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny how simple it is. It is. Yeah. It's often so dumb, simple. Yep. And you go like, why has this haunted me my whole life? It's just pizza. Yeah. But it matters. Yeah. It's real weird. Oh, my gosh. I feel like that's adulthood. It's like once you clear your 20s and then you start reflecting back on stuff from your, like, childhood. And you're just like, oh, that's why I do this. Or that's why I, like, can't bring myself to, I don't know, listen to music or read consistently. Yeah. I got fixated on like, how can I pull? Why didn't I think of, oh, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) it's it's like when you're a child and you're like, oh, why didn't I think of that? Was that a good transition? What? I mean, you always do the transitions and you're really good at them. And I I think it works. I think it works. I'm going to establish a self-belief that I can't do the why didn't I think of that transitions because because I got insecure. It's okay, Beth. Is it? Yes, it is. Because we're a team. And so... Why didn't I think of that? (laughs) (laughs) 
It never fails that each week we see someone do something creative that makes us say, why didn't I think of that? So before we move on with the show, let's applaud those who did it first. You got it. What do you got? It is a TikTok and it was talking about a sketchbook wallet. A sketchbook wallet? Yeah. And it had a little spot that you could like put this little nice little sketchbook in, this tiny little sketchbook. It had a little spot for your little tiny pencil. And I was like, oh my God, that's such a good idea. And this person was talking about it. And they were like, I bought two because it was such a good idea. It's very cute. I'm looking at it. It's about the size of your palm. Yeah. You open it up and it's the size of two palms. <gasps> How dare they? I'm looking at the TikTok mm-hmm. and whoever designed this sketchbook wallet mm-hmm. has created an emblem that is so adorable that it rivals our mascot, Ope. It is pretty cute. It's a little ink pot with like 1940s hands and feet walking, do a little little steamboat Mickey walk. Yeah. There are so many times where I'm out and about or I'm talking to somebody like not in a setting where I have a sketchbook or an iPad or something and I might think of an idea or like have an idea. And this would be so great to just be able to like whip out and be like, ooh, real quick sketch, little write some notes about what it is and then put it back in my pocket. Yeah. The other thing I like about it mm-hmm. is that finally you can weigh your other butt cheek with another wallet. <laughs> yes. You get money butt cheek wallet on the left yeah. and then sketchbook butt cheek wallet on the right. It's true. Then you're not lopsided when you're like driving in the car. I always feel so lopsided when I'm driving in the car, Andrew. I have to course correct all the time because my whole body just wants to turn left. (laughs) You just got all those fat stacks of cash in there. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they call you sweaty cash. (laughs) What are they going to... That's not why they call me sweaty cash. Well, mine are year in reviews. I have been sitting in abject misery watching everybody else on the internet talk about all the cool shit they did in 2021. Yeah. Instagram stories of folks going through, in January, I got married. And in February, I published my first novel. And in March, I became the president. And I didn't, I didn't do those things. Yeah. I don't remember what I did. So I sat down and I thought, okay, well, maybe, Beth, you should put together a year in review because I'm sure you did cool stuff this year. Mm -hmm. You have to have. There's 365 days. No way did you spend all of those smoking weed and watching K-dramas. Come on. I don't remember. I don't remember (laughs) what I did. So maybe this year I should have a little butt pocket notebook where I keep track of all of the cool things that happened Mm -hmm. so that at the end of the year... When everybody else is sharing their successes, I can be like, hey, me too. But maybe I shouldn't do that because I'm focusing on killing my ego this year. So is this anti my overarching goal? Or do I also have to play the game? It's a nightmare in my head, dude. Yeah, that's that. I Because I was just sitting there thinking about like, oh, how would I go about this? And I was like, well, I I feel like I kind of checked out of doing that shit. <laughs> like, like I saw people posting their like top nines and shit like that. I downloaded the app to do that and I like made it. And then I like looked at it and I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> and I just closed out the app and deleted it from my phone. <laughs> immediately yeah i'm also noticing that the people who i've been admiring the most Mm -hmm. there's three content creators in particular who i'm obsessed with and i've talked about the long form youtube video game content guy tim rogers my absolute lord and savior i'm a freak for tim rogers he's the best boy (laughs) 
If he doesn't have a name for his uh, fans, it should be Freaks for Tim Rogers. Goblin Bunker? We're goblins? He doesn't fucking care, which is the point. Yeah. That's the point. He's one of these three creators. Um, it's him, CJ the X, and then Brutal Moose, who I don't think has like a particular stand on this one way or another, but CJ and Tim Rogers certainly do. Uh, where it's like, I don't fucking care about playing the game. Mm-hmm. I don't care about numbers. I don't care about appeasing any of this. I'm not going to look at my YouTube analytics or my podcast analytics. None of that data matters because all of that is contributing to like the big businesses that are uh, employing us, the big money machine, right? The reason why YouTube gives you your analytics is so that you can understand how to better make YouTube money. Yeah. It doesn't help you make better art Mm -hmm. it doesn't help you tell better stories it helps you make youtube more money ergo you make a little more money too which is nice but so the death of the ego the death of like trying to uh, accrue all of these numbers and satisfy satisfy this like troll inside of me that wants to be like recognized and famous whatever it does not have any relationship with making good things and I'm so much more curious and interested and and uh, uh, validated by the idea of making better things. So I don't have to participate in a year in review. But at the same time, I do want to celebrate things worth celebrating. So finding the authentic, healthy way to do this without feeling like it's an obligation, that's the hard work. Yeah. All right. The next questions that we asked ourselves as far as finding our life path are our five bosses. So Struthless says there's five bosses within us and they all have different needs and wants. Oh, I should say their names. There's Selma the Sensible, somebody who wants to make sure that you have a roof over your head and you're making uh, confident money. (laughs) Not confident money. What would it be? Secure money? Security. Yeah. Safety and security is what Selma the Sensible is all about. Luca the Liver, who wants you to enjoy a hedonistic, fantastic, boogie-boarding lifestyle. Freya the Friendly, who's all about people and satisfying your need to be social. Aziz the Ambitious, and he's about that fucking coin and the (laughs) fame and the money and the bitches. Gilda the Giver is the last one, and that is your altruism. That's your giving self. Yeah. And so these five bosses are in your head all the time and they don't always agree with the choices that you're making. So trying to figure out what your values are in relation to these quote unquote bosses and then hypothesizing if each one of these guys individually ran your life, what would that life look like? Are there overlaps? Are there things that you do that uh, the majority of your bosses enjoy? Like what, what can we glean from this? So that's what the exercise is about. And we'll talk about our bosses now. Yeah, it was, I I really liked approaching it this way. It definitely put me in the mindset of imagining my own little, you know, bosses as the characters from inside out. Mm, yeah. How would they approach this? What would they do if they had control over me? So what would you do if they had control over you? What if the sensible Andrew controlled your life? So sensible Andrew would probably try to find a consistent job that had consistent income. So either returning to teaching 
or maybe finding a more uh, full-time type position somewhere. Uh, I also wrote in parentheses for this one, this could be either annually or monthly income. So it could just be like, oh, I, I usually expect to just make a bunch in like this month, this month, and this month. And then mm-hmm. the other months, I kind of, you know, spread it out. Uh, or it could be a monthly thing. I That is the sensible side of me is like the like, okay, yeah. where's the consistency? Where's the, you know, how can I, you know, each year estimate my income and have it be, you know, go up consistently a little bit each year and like, you know, yeah, that fun stuff. And I think to some degree, the sensible side of me does have a decent amount of control over, over my decisions. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, that's a powerful boss inside of you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's definitely a powerful boss. Uh, you've heard me talk about this. The listeners have heard me talk about this, but trying to decide, you know, going into this year, like what I want to do, do I want to continue doing uh, teaching? And like, I made that decision already, but it, it was one of those things that I struggled with because I really wanted like the sensible side of me was like, don't give up this consistent thing. You might lose it. Yeah. Uh, I'm finding that my sensible Beth is sort of fear driven and I don't love that about her. Yes. The same with mine. Yeah. And she doesn't like people. So I'm looking at this and what I wrote for, for her was I would work in advertising. I would mm-hmm. buy a small condo alone. <laughs> I wouldn't own Sorry, much Mike. stuff, like very minimalism. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. I'd go to the gym, I'd eat healthy, I'd sleep regularly, I'd have a schedule. I would be essentially a production robot. Yeah. Because it's safe and easy to do that. Mm -hmm. It's not emotionally fulfilling. I wouldn't enjoy my life if that was all I did. I wouldn't have a partnership. I I wouldn't put myself at risk for heartbreak or pain. Mm -hmm. That's what she looks like. Now, the liver, on the other hand... Beth, the woman who lives. Um, these are the things that I, I wrote down. I got real excited about this one. Who lived. <laughs> no, no, no Harry Potter in here. I don't have any scars. I wrote down food, Japan, Korea, Europe, van life, minimalism, drawing, nature walks, crafting, tattoos. Then I wrote my body would be covered in art and piercings. I'd be very fashionable. Maybe I'd be a travel vlogger focusing on food and nature. I'd volunteer with animals. Yeah. Like, I'm not a fast Ferrari jumping out of airplanes type of a pleasure seeker. I'm much more of a spend seven hours combing the beach for sea glass pleasure seeker. (laughs) That's awesome. And that's what that would look like. Yeah. Yeah. Mine, um, I'm mad that you brought up food because I didn't think of food as a thing that I would list here. Add it in. Put it in there. So I would absolutely add like really good food and like taking my friends out for dinner and stuff like that um, and just Mm -hmm. having these really fun times. But I wrote down freedom to travel, buy the clothes I want, play the games I've already bought because I tend to just buy games (laughs) and play like two hours and then just they don't exist. Yeah. Have I finished any of the games that I've bought in the last two and a half years? No. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) And I sat down recently and started replaying one of them. So, uh, there's that. Uh, They're starting to live. I love it. Right? Just now, 2022, starting life. Um, <laughs> I also had play more magic because that's a thing that I enjoy doing. And I do make time yeah. to play magic. So that's it. I would just play more. Um, and then I said, spoil my friends and family. That brings you pleasure. 
Yeah, I like to, when I can, like at, at C2E2 recently in Chicago, we went out to one of those conveyor belt sushi places. Yeah. And I've never been in one of those. And the, some part of that just, oh, the, 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 the fusion of like a game plus dinner was amazing. <laughs> like it turned into a game of like, ooh, okay, do you want this? Do you want it? Okay, I got to grab it. Okay, here we yeah. go. <laughs> and I loved it. And we just had a great time. Like it was like a couple people that I was really close with and then a few people that I knew but wasn't super close with. And it was so much fun. And at the end of the night, I just like when the waitress was was asking like if we wanted the bill, I was just like, yes. And I took it and I paid. And wow, everybody. dude. Because I just I like to do that and it's fun. And I think it's nice. Like I felt like it was so I was so privileged to sit there and enjoy that meal with them that yeah. it made me want to, you know, like pay for them. Something tells me that friendly Andrew, the next boss, is the loudest boss within Andrew. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about friendly Andrew. So friendly Andrew wants uh, my friends and family to know how much they mean to me, uh, which is something that I've already been making it a point to do with like friends. I, yeah. I'm still struggling to do this with family. These um, are and remember, these are not necessarily unachieved goals. Yeah. A lot of these things already there. It's us. This is a reflection of our mm -hmm. our true self. And some of it we are doing and some of it we want to do. Some of it we yeah. are uh, uh, just barely starting to do. Yeah. And I think, too, um, another reason that that is underneath my relationship oriented one is because a couple of times this year I've been in situations where I've been, you know, able to thank somebody who has, you know, really helped me during 2020 or just, mm -hmm. you know, made a big impact on me. And it really meant a lot to me to be able to thank these people in person and like to their face and tell them like, I really appreciated what you did. Like it yeah. meant the world to me and I don't take it for granted for one moment. And so that is something that like, it's very uncomfortable to do sometimes, <laughs> but I feel like it's also super, super rewarding. And then I also want to cultivate a caring, positive community around art and around my art. And I feel like one, you have been a huge factor in helping to create a caring, positive community around my art and around art in general, like through the creation of this podcast. Well, yeah, so I man. appreciate that. You can't see me, but I got a big smile. <laughs> well, I can see you. They can't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They can't see me, but I got a big smile. It's a big smile. Yeah. So what would what would your relationship boss be? My relationship boss is also a very big boss. I got big boss baby in my head and she looks like a relationship boss. Um, I wrote commune. <laughs> just, <laughs> I, I wish it was just one word. Like that was all that you wrote for that. Just commune. <laughs> yeah. If she ran, if she ran the whole thing, I would run a commune. Like an artist commune. I'd be down for that. I would join that. <laughs> right? Yeah, we'd have like the barracks where everybody sleeps. We'd have like a big cool kitchen where everybody cooks and eats and hangs out. I'd have like a pottery studio in the back. I've thought about this, dude. It's like mm -hmm. a proper artist community space that is also a place where you can live. And maybe I would like not license out. Maybe I would have like artists come and stay for extended periods of time or put on workshops and things within this this big community space. Yeah, um, that would be cool. 
So yeah, I wrote co- a commune. I would have all my friends would live nearby. I'd play D and D all the time. I would go to a shared studio with other artists. Um, Get Twitch. No work done. <laughs> no, yeah, th- no friendly community. She doesn't do anything. She just enjoys the com- the community around me. It has nothing to do with the work, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, shared studio. I would continue streaming on Twitch. I would host people over at my home. I'd have weekly gatherings, shared meals. My husband is in this category. I like him. Mm. I want him to be here. My sensible (laughs) side doesn't want a husband. My people oriented side loves my husband. Yeah. I I would like to add a lot of what you just said to mine as well. (laughs) Please. Especially you saying like, Oh, I want to, you know, live around my friends and be close to my friends. Um, recently with you know Dustin and Sang moving here like I'm kind of getting a bit of that and it's super fun it's so nice I used to live in a building with four uh two couples so four other friends than me and Mike and we just became a family it was like the the tv have you heard of the tv sitcom show friends what what is that (laughs) Yeah, that was that was my life for a minute, and it was really special. It was really cool. If you can do that with uh, with buddies, two thumbs up. So, what is your ambitious boss? Beth's big, ambitious, ego-driven boss baby. The money, fame, status, power. Uh, I I have the most problems with this boss, especially mm-hmm. for the third time. I'll bring it up with this like death of the ego thing. Because what this boss wants, I don't want to want. Yeah. And yet I want. So I'm putting, I'm caging the answer to this question with a bunch of, please don't hate my sick brain who desires this. I also feel like she's a monster. (laughs) One million YouTube subs, 300 plus live stream viewers every time I stream. I want surprise money. I want to be invited to talk at schools, give lectures, very expensive, fashionable, good clothes. I want everybody to know me as a funny and talented person and to be asked to be a part of exclusive things. (laughs) So I'd live behind a camera and I would attend gatherings with people who are in higher echelons. I would content farm my art. Yeah, it it really is the death of things that matter for the sake of uh, notoriety and fame and and feeding mm-hmm. the ego. That's who he is. Yeah. Hey, my bosses are multigendered. Interesting. Really into crypto. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I definitely have some overlap with you on some of those things. For mine, I had, I want to do a magic card, like, so badly. I can't Ooh. wait for the moment of doing the magic card and then having somebody come up to my booth at a con and asking me to sign that magic card. Yeah. That is a, one of my big goals. That's going to happen. Let's manifest that, folks. Let's do it. I also want to do an official movie poster. I grew up loving movie posters, and that was, like, one of my favorite things about... Um, about going to the theater and like yeah. I, I loved seeing a movie that I liked the poster for and then seeing the film and then leaving the theater and feeling like I just want to go draw like, <laughs> and so part of me is like I want to do just one if I can do just one it'll be like a nice little like closed circle mm-hmm. on on that but I would love to do like an official movie poster I don't know what it would be for but just something um 
I want to do an art show at a prominent gallery and not one that mm-hmm. I have to message them and apply. I want them to approach me. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're asked to be a part of exclusive things. Yeah. And then I also wrote, I want to be asked to be a guest at conventions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because I, one, I just don't want to pay for my booth. <laughs> <laughs> Sensible Andrew coming back in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But also they give you like a bigger booth usually if you're a guest. And so you're like, "Mm, I'm fancy. I got a big table. I feel like all of your ambitions are achievable within five years. (laughs) I do. I I think that I believe in you. I don't know what. Okay. Maybe I should reevaluate my ambitious one and try to like shoot for the stars. Oh, that's not what I'm saying. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. I, I don't mean to no, no, no. Um, say that you're not being ambitious enough. I'm excited for you to say that <laughs> the things that you want, like when you yeah. ask yourself those big questions, and these are the answers that you come up with today, it is exciting to me to know that you can do this. I don't know that uh, I will be in what was my stupidest one. But I also feel like the ambitious one is where you're supposed to like... I mean, all of them, you kind of go a little bit in the extremes of like, okay. It's just, yes. If the, if those extremes. I'm, I'm not saying I did it wrong. I'm just saying maybe I should, you know, up the ante a little bit, like shoot for the stars so I can, you know, or shoot for the moon so I can land in the stars. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. What's the saying? I've I don't know. I heard that one. That's really funny. It's shoot. I, I thought it was shoot for the stars so you land on the moon because the stars are further away. But I oh, love the funny. idea that you shoot for the moon and you miss and you fall amongst the stars, which, like, by my definition, I'm is so a red. grander success. So I, I love it. I love it. I'm so, so red right dude, now. Dude, our oh ambition God. bosses, your ambition boss shoots for the moon, lands on the stars. My ambition boss shoots for the stars, lands on the moon. That's all it is. We we meet in the middle. Yeah. Um, no, I think before we started recording, we were talking mm-hmm. about how to tackle this because this isn't a very organized way of uh, talking about our goals in a podcast. And I told you, and I stand by this, I think it's infinitely more interesting the in-betweens of our goals to try to figure mm-hmm. out the intricacies amidst the big goals. So finding Mm -hmm. details like why we view ambition in these different ways, that's cool. That's curious. Mm -hmm. That makes me ask myself, like, why do I put the goalpost unachievably far away? Because none of these things, I don't believe in my heart of hearts that I can achieve the things that my ambition broski wants me to achieve. And so that's the stars that I land on the moon for. So Maybe it would be better, or maybe it would be interesting, at least, for me to uh, choose goals that I know I can achieve. It's it's those in-betweens that are worth discussing. And it's not to say that either of us is doing this wrong. Yeah. It's to say that it is, there's a reason why we're doing it the way that we are. Yeah, it's it's definitely interesting. It's really cool. Because, yeah, like you said, before we started recording, we talked about this, and I compared it to us talking about our artist of the week and how it's like cool to see, you know, what inspires each of us and kind of getting to know the other one a little bit more based on, on that. Yeah. Yep. And you also likened this whole episode to creating a mood board 
for an illustration, that illustration being our life path. Yeah. So we're picking images, picking colors, picking fonts that will coalesce over time into something remarkable. And we're going to leave the fluff on the floor. Some of those references we don't necessarily need. Yeah. But they all inform the direction generally. Yeah. So what's your altruistic? Shamefully, I think, um, I think my altruism and I'm, 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 I'm trying, I don't want to say this out loud. I think my altruistic boss is the smallest boss Mm -hmm. in, in my head. And I'm ashamed of that. I want that boss to be larger, but if I'm being perfectly honest with myself, she exists, but she isn't the one driving the car. But when I sit back and I really ask myself, like, if she ran my life, what would it look like? The things I really care about are environmental efforts, food charities, local community projects, and amplifying minority voices. So Mm -hmm. education and outreach. I would join an environmental movement and or Black Lives Matter. I think I would write and study as a critical theorist instead of an artist. No, I take that back. I think I would be a critical theorist in conjunction with art. Like my art would have a more giving purpose. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for me to come up with what that is because I'm just so steeped in broski make the money culture here in Los Angeles. Yeah. So that's a com- that's a complicated boss to me. Yeah. No, I, I, I get that. I also kind of view, you know, people who pursue, not like comedy, but like, you know, making something that's like, oh, this is just something silly and I want to share it with the world. I feel like in a way that's also doing something, you know, it's not as clear of a purpose, but it, you know, brightens people's day. It's one of those things where you need a balance of both, I think. Yeah. And comedy is an interesting tightrope because there's a danger to comedy in that cynicism and parody and the rejection of sincerity can come with having a comedic voice and talking about things with irony. Yeah. So irony and comedy are not one and the same. Irony is a type of comedy, but irony is deeply pessimistic and not a particularly helpful way of, of examining the world. It can draw point a finger at problems, certainly. Um, but it doesn't offer to to solve them. Not all comedy is like that. And I want to stay away from ironic comedy. I want to stay sincere and stay human. Yeah. I mean, if that's helpful, then then maybe I can make that boss a little bit larger and incorporate yeah. that there. Um, but it also feels like an easy way out. <laughs> it's an e- It's an easy way to try to, you know enact change mm-hmm. but everybody everybody's very funny i think we're gonna see a cultural shift and maybe this isn't what the podcast is supposed to be but like <laughs> that's what i want to talk about i Go think we're gonna see a cultural shift pretty soon here that addresses just that the intersection between irony and sincerity because we live in a meme culture our politics mm-hmm. our news our comedy our even communication with each other, especially with the younger generation, is so referential and so meme-driven um, that the older generation almost can't understand what's being said. Mm-hmm. And 
there's a danger in that when it is a, a conversation tinged with irony that people will become apathetic, that they'll move away from like genuine connection and sincerity. I know that me personally, I have had to examine my own discomfort with being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And because I'm having such a struggle with this and protect, I protect myself in so many ways that I'm not even like aware of mm-hmm. from sincerity. I know that there are a lot of other people who are doing this as well. And so as looking at myself as like a microcosm of the macro, mm-hmm. perhaps this is something that collectively we are more interested in talking about moving away from discussions of things through comedy to make it easier to digest and instead letting ourselves live in the darkness and recognize yeah. the reason why we're laughing about this is because we want to cry. And sometimes it's okay to cry. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Like, <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that. I think it is an interesting theory and I'm, I'm curious to see how, how things move forward. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's something that, that comes to pass. Yeah. And it's always a pendulum. It's always a ping pong. Yeah. It'll go back to pessimism. It'll go back to, to irony, certainly. Yeah. Uh, but I think we're starting to see a swing towards the sincere. Yeah. At least my side of the TikTok algorithm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think if TikTok <laughs> is the barometer, or at least our side of TikTok, yeah, it definitely seems that it's going that way and people are being more vulnerable and, and kind of sharing those things. Mm-hmm. And other people are relating to it. And I think to some degree, doing personal work for me has has turned into this way where it's been very helpful for me to to talk about what I'm going through with my work. Yeah. And then that better equips me to talk about those things, to talk about, you know, traumatic experiences, to talk about depression, to talk about anxiety, to, you know... Or just to talk about, like, my friends and how much I fucking love them. Like, yeah. And, and you know, inspiration. It doesn't always have to be dark. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something that a lot of people, whether they know it or not, that they kind of relate to. I'm trying to remember where I saw this thing. I don't know if it was on TikTok or if it was, like, just some video I came across. But somebody was talking about how when they watch movies, they don't sit there and they, like, they don't try to analyze the movie in a way that's like, oh, God, does the story totally make sense? Does this all, blah, like, does everything line up? They kind of interact with it intuitively. And so it's mm-hmm. kind of like on the emotions of the movie, are the emotions coming across? And if they are, they tend to enjoy the movie. And I was like, huh. It's like, <laughs> you I, can do that? <laughs> I was like, I think I kind of, well, I think I kind of do that with movies and, and shows and stuff because I'll have these, I'll have, I'm trying to think of an example. I'll have these reactions where things in a movie or show will like hit me real hard. And it's not something that is the typical thing or something that totally makes sense. Yeah. And then I sit there and I go like, well, why did that hit me all of a sudden? (laughs) Like, what is that thing? And sometimes it's, it's a facial expression. Sometimes it's, um, body language or something like something about the character and just how the, you know, actor actress plays them. Like something about it is just intuitive to me. And then after I 
I saw that video or heard that person, you know, bring up how they interact with media intuitively. I was like, oh, is this why like a lot of people tell me like, oh, you do a really great job at like getting across emotion in your work. And I was like, oh, is this like, is this help? Is this why? (laughs) How frustrating is it when you discover that you have a strength that is, it just came out of you. It wasn't like a thing that you developed or a thing that you were aware of possessing. Yeah. And all of these people are like, you are this special chosen boy. And you're like, what? (laughs) What? If I know that I'm doing it, if I'm aware of my magic powers, it goes away. The annoying part to me is like when when people have told me that at conventions or even online, I always sit there and I'm like, okay, but like if somebody asked me to teach this, I wouldn't necessarily know how to explain it. Yeah. Because to me, a lot of the things when I think of like body language for like a pose of a character or like a facial expression or maybe um, an angle, a camera angle in a shot, like to me, it's just like, oh, this makes sense because it tells the narrative I want it to tell the best way. And it's really hard. I found when I was teaching, I found it very hard to get that across sometimes to students. Yeah. Um, And to explain to them like, oh, the, you know, think about the body language. Like, what would you in this situation do? What would be the most terrifying thing? What would be the most exhilarating thing? Like, how would you react? And like, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to describe. Yeah, you kind of have to be an actor in a way. Like you have to understand expression to do that. And you have to be like self-aware of what that feels like and looks like in order to depict it. And we can, we can give ourselves rules around um, cinematography. Mm-hmm. And you can look at movies and TV shows and what they do when a character is sad, what they do when a character is angry. And you can copy that, but there's always that little magic fairy dust, that that sprinkling of of heart, of intuition, yeah. that is what resonates with people when they engage with the work. And it's you're right, it's impossible to teach. It's easy to identify and very hard to teach. Yeah. But I still don't believe that some people are born with it and some people aren't. Oh, no. Some people might have a more natural, like, affinity towards it, but they still have to work. Yeah. It's like when you catch a Pokemon and sometimes their nature influences their stats a little bit more. (laughs) 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 So what about your altruistic Andrew Boss to wrap this one up? So with my background with teaching, I think that influenced my altruistic side a lot. Um, And noticing some gaps in in like art education that I think need to be covered. Hmm. Um, so one thing, I, my first thing is I want to help newer artists learn about the industry without charging them a ridiculous amount. I think yeah. art education in general and education in general, just across the board, just too much, yeah, way too much. And it it's one of those things where it's like, it costs you nothing as, as a established or a somewhat established artist to, you know, if an artist comes up to you at a convention or an event to, and they ask you a question, it doesn't cost you anything to be like, oh, hey, like, yeah, like, check this out or like, go to this resource or that resource. And it always feels so great to me when I see those those people like later on, like at a future convention or event, and they're doing the thing that they wanted to do. Yeah. 
And so that would be a big part of my altruistic self is like helping other artists, younger artists. And, and I don't know if that's something that I want to do, you know, forever. I think it's something that I, I feel like right now I'm in a kind of a break period from, you know, teaching and doing that kind of a thing. I guess the podcast kind of sometimes fulfills that where it's like, we're talking about, you know, stuff like this. Um, but I don't think it's something that I want to do forever. It's just something that I care about. And when the opportunity arises and I feel like it's, it's natural, I want to try to go for it. Mm. Um, and then I also want to try to help like support my friends when I can, like if there's something that I can, you know, refer them to a client or maybe help them, you know, get paid what they deserve. Maybe it's creating like this super amazing illustration collective that, you know, we have the bargaining power to basically like unionize and fucking, yeah. like ask for like um, legit wages and things like that. And I do want to, you know, help artists who aren't, who don't have access to, you know, some of the privileges that I've had growing up. Shout out to the Graphic Artists Guild Handbook, 16th edition, Pricing and Ethical Guidelines. If you are uh, any kind of creator listening to this right now and you don't know about this book, yo, go pick up this book, $31 paperback on Amazon. And it's got so many resources for you as uh, both a, a... freelancer, a salaried position, um, a dabbler, you name it. You want to know what to charge when you do a book cover for a mid-size, mid-tier publishing company? It's in this book. You want to know what to charge when you design websites for some photographer's portfolio? It's in this book. Like, (laughs) basically everything you need is in this book. Uh, Unions strong, baby. Link in the description. Yeah. (laughs) I would also want to focus on, you know, environmental issues. And that's already something that when it comes to buying, you know, things for convention setups, I try to do my best at like, you know, eliminating plastic where I can and and doing things like that. Yeah, I think that would be real big what my altruistic self would do and use my platform to either help causes or help artists. I gotta say, when I step back and look at the way that you answered these five boss questions, mm-hmm. you are very people-oriented and help-oriented and giving-oriented. It really, it really is about improving other people's experience of the world for you, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. And cool clothes. <laughs> Hi, I'm Beth, and you know that. But what you might not know is that I'm a Denik Notebook ambassador. So why? Well, back in 2018, my tax man told me I needed a planner, so I just went into an Office Depot and grabbed a cute one. It was made by a company called Denik, and that started one of the most long-term relationships of my life, because I liked that planner so much, I went ahead and bought five of their Stay Flat Notebooks. I signed up for their ambassador program because I was already telling people to buy them. No one asked me to make this ad. I had to look up what they're called, but I just love the classic lay-flat notebooks. They have a Smith-sewn binding so their spines look tidy on a shelf. 
They're the perfect A5 size. And most importantly, they do indeed lay flat on your desk, regardless of what page you're turned to. I've never had to fight these to get them to stop creeping closed while I'm writing. And Denik works with and pays a wide range of artists to create illustrations for their velvety soft covers. So... If you're in need of a notebook, planner, or even sketchbooks, head over to denik.com, that's D-E-N-I-K.com, and enter code BRAD, B-E-R-A-D, at checkout for 15% off your order. That's denik.com, find your favorite thing there, and then enter code BRAD at checkout for 15% off your order. Thanks. Back to the show. Hey, Beth. Yes, Andrew? Can we talk about color? Yes! But we gotta make it fast, because this is a long episode! Okay. Did you know that Pantone has a color or colors of the year? No! They do, and because we're talking about goals, I thought it would be really fun to talk about. Uh, So before we look at their current color for 2022, I thought it'd be fun to discuss what our color of the year would be and why. Of this you year? and I, we are color experts. So let we us are color choose experts, color. you and I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would say my color of the year. I don't. Okay. I know you guys are going to make fun of me because Beth love yellow. Beth want yellow everywhere. Sure. But because for the fourth time, I'm mm-hmm. focusing on the death of the ego and the birth of creativity. That makes me think of like baby chick yellow, like an Easter Nice, bright, breezy, sunshiny, happy day, pastel yellow. A butter. The color of butter Butter. is Beth Radloff's pick of 2022. It's the year of the bear. (laughs) That's French for butter. It's my favorite French word. (laughs) I love that. Uh. Anytime I hear... The word butter, I just think of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, too, where all the, like, food was coming to life, and there was a frog made out of butter, and it just goes, butter. Andrew, I would encourage you to cook more. I know. (laughs) (laughs) My color would be based on the peonies that I have in my backyard that grow every year in the early summer like late spring you peonies i do and i love them they're you pink and white peonies? and there's so many of them <gasps> and i did not plant them they were just here and it was a wonderful discovery the f- like may the following year after i moved in that's like the best flower i love them they're great i've taken so many photos so that i can draw them and they're the best um, i love peonies but my it would probably be the color of the plant right before they bloom. What is that? It's like this rich green. It's not overly bright. It's just kind of this nice. It, yeah, it's like a, a mid-tone value green. It is the green that is, it, it symbolizes like possibility to me and like growth and potential. Oh, But it's also coming out of this very dark, cold time. I like this. Hey, we both chose sort of spring colors. Yeah. They complement each other quite nicely. 
When you started talking peonies, I was like, bitch gonna go pink, isn't he? <laughs> bitch gonna go pink. I wanted to. I really you did. did. a curveball, though. Um, curveball to this fresh, verdant green. Here is the color for 2022. It's called Very Perry, which I do enjoy. Ew! Matt <laughs> is not it. a fan of Pantone's color of 2022. I think it looks like Grandma's bathroom. It is very close to Discord purple. <laughs> we all know. I don't like purples. I use them. They're a good color to use in drawing because they make other colors look quite nice. But I, I, uh-huh. but like I don't like it by itself. <laughs> I think. I, uh, and this is my least favorite version of a purple. It is a periwinkle. This is a light kind of grayed out. Would you say bluish purple? Is Perry, is Perry, let me look up Periwinkle. Sometimes I've discovered that my words for colors aren't actually right. Oh, like when we, what was that one color that we talked about that was like the least popular, like ugliest color? Puce. Actually, chartreuse. Puce, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was right about Periwinkle. It's very Periwinkle. As a matter of fact, it's called Very Perry. Hey, because it's Very Periwinkle. I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know when someone tells you a fact and then you come around to the conclusion that you discovered the fact that's me what yeah wow Beth. good job pantone official quote by Leatrice Eisman, executive director of the Pantone Color Institute, says, As we move into a world of unprecedented change, the selection of Pantone 17-3938, very peri, brings a novel perspective envisioned to the trusted and beloved blue color family, encompassing the qualities of the blues, yet... At the same time, with its violet and red undertone, Pantone 17-3938 Very Perry displays a sprightly, joyous attitude and dynamic presence that encourages courageous creativity and imaginative expressions. Wow! Hmm. I didn't know it would read like that. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> All right. I shouldn't say it on our art podcast, which appeals to artists who care about stuff like this, but like, Get your hand out of your own asshole, dude. Like, what? <laughs> it's a color. It's a color and it's a bad color. What boss do you think wrote that? Oh. <laughs> Is that ambition? Ooh, or lifestyle. Might be lifestyle. I feel like this one's a collaboration. Lifestyle and ambition? Yeah. Yeah. Because ambition doesn't feel this way about colors, but lifestyle does. But am- this is how ambition writes. Yeah. Lifestyle's just like blue, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Lifestyle wrote it, and then ambition was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump it up a little bit. Punch it up. Yeah. I'm going to make this passage sing. That's <laughs> astonishing. Hey, if you like Periwinkle, you're cool. It's good. That's great. No shade. He said shade. That's a color term. (laughs) What's next? What is next? Well, I think we need to look a little bit into the past to figure out what we want moving forward. Yeah. 
So in the book, it encourages you to ask yourself the question of what you wanted five years ago, what you want right now, and what you want five I years from now. I think that's a good now. set of questions. Uh, I recently was talking to a friend of mine who was like, hey, when you're setting up goals, Beth, put yourself in the mindset of Beth one year in the future. Where does she want to be? What does she want? Mm -hmm. And then you can do stuff now yeah. to set her up to be in the position that she, that you want her to be in. So it takes the responsibility off of your shoulders yeah. for like fixing your life right now for you. And instead, she, future you becomes the boss of current you in service of you. So by that same logic, you apply it to this. I don't know why, but my brain was just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know why, because it makes sense and it's a really good way to put it. But I like thinking of it in terms of like future you is boss of current you. So five years ago, where was five years ago, Andrew? We didn't even know each other five years ago. Wow. It's crazy. Uh, five years ago, me was just starting to do conventions. Hadn't met the friends that I currently have because of conventions. Um, I was sharing an apartment with somebody else. I was taking freelance jobs that didn't pay well, mm. that were a ton of work. And... I remember wanting to do more conventions. And I wanted to get better at them. And I also remember wanting to get jobs that paid more. Mm -hmm. I also wanted a dog. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I th it, it was really cool thinking about this and going through this exercise because like I told you off, off mic, I hadn't realized that I had achieved a lot of these things that I wanted <laughs> when I was, you know, five years younger. And I was like, oh, oh, that's good job, me. Yeah. Way to go. And I'd like to point out that your five years ago ambitions, the boss of your ambitions back then set you up for success. Mm -hmm. The things that you wanted, you were able to achieve. And that rules. Yeah. Because you'll see uh, mine, I have not achieved. And what are yours? I wanted to be. Okay, don't, don't, don't tell me I achieved this because you're wrong. I wanted to be a phenomenal artist. I wanted my ideas to be heralded as exceptional. I wanted a cool home with my boyfriend at the time, Mike. Uh, I wanted a significant social media follow following. I wanted to make a comic and make a video game. Okay. I have a, I have a cool home with Mike. And you know what? I have a significant social media following. And you're also an exceptional artist. I said, stop. I know I said, you said no. I couldn't I said, say don't, it, but, don't, I, I, you don't know. I, but part of being a good friend is not listening to you and I telling you. I want to be soy milk. I want to be in galleries, baby. I want to be James Jean. Okay. All ambition, no work ethic. <laughs> <laughs> Five years ago, Beth. <laughs> I know. That in your heart, your community heart, your big boss, community boss wants to say, Beth, you're good. You're good. You're valuable. You're wonderful. And I'm not saying I'm not. Yeah. That's not what this is. I am recognizing that I do not let myself have the opportunity to succeed because mm -hmm. my goals are not goals that I realistically set up to be actionably achievable. Yeah. And that's a thing that I, that's a thing worth changing. Is something that I have learned in the past hour sitting here with you. <laughs> I also do not remember anything about what I thought five years ago. So this is all just like an estimation. Oh, yeah, same. Except for the comic and the video game. I know I wanted to do those things. Yeah. 
I also had no inclination of wanting to do personal work. I was still in the mindset of just like freelance, 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 and freelance. Ah. So yeah, you don't got to stick to what you, you know, planned. No, you don't. So what about everything you want now? And let's let's bunch everything you want now and then everything you want five years from now together. So give me both okay. of those. Okay. So what I want now is stability. I feel like I'm close to it, but as I'm wrapping up this big job, I feel a little bit of anxiety thinking about what's next. But I also recognize that that's part of sensible boss, Andrew, who Ooh. is fearful of, mm-hmm. of that unknown Uh, I want to keep cultivating the relationships I've formed through conventions while continuing to make a name for myself in the industry, um, which I I feel like I'm starting to see the fruits of my labor a little bit in terms of those those things. Yeah. Um, I want to do a magic card again so badly. I cannot wait for the day where I can have prints and mats at my con table and maybe even sign a card. I think I'll legitimately cry the day that I'm asked to sign a card that I've done. I think it'll be a really cool moment. And I, I hope future Andrew remembers to like live in the present in that moment and really take it in and soak it in. I also want to make weird art. I feel so rushed now with deadlines and expectations and those things keep me in a familiar rhythm that is safe but doesn't allow for risk. Mm. And I just want an overall simpler life. Mm. Things are very complicated and there's a lot of moving parts and pieces. And I find myself getting overwhelmed some days where I just want to focus on like one or two things. Yeah. Um, And then five years from now, I want to work less and make more so I can enjoy more time with friends, family, and a partner eventually. Um, Returning to teaching would also be nice. I've always enjoyed it. And the only downside for me is that financially it doesn't pay the bills. Mm -hmm. I want to give talks and help younger artists by being a positive beacon in the fantasy illustration community. I also want to feel like I can do more household projects. I don't particularly like parts of my house, so I like to update things. But right now I feel like I don't have the financial stability to do so. And so part of wanting to do that and thinking about those potential projects causes me anxiety because of fear. And so again, sensible Andrew taking the wheel there um, really wish sensible Andrew would stop. Interesting. I don't really want to extrapolate from that. I think, I think that is good. What about you? What do you want right now? And five years from now. All right. Right now. Uh, again, fucking man yet again i'm looking at myself set up goals that i don't think i can achieve ay 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 all right here's what i wrote mm-hmm. independent art becomes my income stream that's achievable patreon at 6000 a month i don't think that's achievable right now significant social media presence as a comedic artist that's achievable a house with a yard not achievable a dog achievable to see people react to my work a deeper connection to the natural world, to feel alive after two years of turtling up, to earn $200,000 a year, to have friends Mm. over weekly and have a large and enriching social circle. I also wrote a dog a second time. (laughs) (laughs) Two dogs. (laughs) That sounds two dogs. (laughs) Apparently I want two dogs. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, This, okay. 
I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the social aspects of what I want are things that can happen that can pretty easily happen. Mm -hmm. The art career aspects of what I want are things that I am carrot like dangling out of my own reach. I think they are things that can. Oh, Andrew's raising his hand. Yes, Andrew. Welcome to your appointment. What would you like to say? I put my hand up because I had something I wanted to add, but then I was like, I better let Beth finish her thought. So I'm sorry. Did you want to finish before I say something? What was I saying? I don't know. Um, just that like Patreon at 6000 a month and then earn $200,000 a year. I need to sit back and ask myself like why those numbers? And I... I have an immediate answer, and it's, number one, uh, that it is meeting goalposts that other artists have set already. There's, like, one mm-hmm. um, art YouTuber who I follow in particular who that's what she earns from her Patreon. Mm-hmm. It, it, that's not really coming from me. That's me saying, hey, here's an example of this. If I just copy what she does, then yeah. I can do that. But what she does and what I do are inherently different. We are Pokemon born of different skill sets that need to be cultivated in different ways to have us become our best, highest evolved self. So while it's good to have that, this is me thinking out loud. Welcome to the brain. While it's good to have that numerical goalpost, and I think it is an achievable numerical goalpost at some point, I need to make sure that the way that I go about trying to achieve it makes sense for me and isn't an a mimicry of somebody else's success. The 200,000 a year is me in direct competition with my husband. Mm -hmm. That's me wanting to make significantly more money than my husband does because of my ego. The thing about that goal is that I haven't broken it down into its disparate parts to Mm -hmm. figure out how to achieve it. And so maybe it's something that can happen. I have been able to make over a hundred thousand in a calendar year. But 200,000, that was not a happy year of mine. That one where I made 100,000, I didn't do anything else but make money. Uh, So, like, just throwing that number out there is feeding my ego. It's not, like, doing anything. Ah, okay. I'm done. That's the end of my thought. Okay. When you were talking about your, you know, goals initially and what you want, and you mentioned making $200,000 a year, and you mentioned, you know having, you know, 6,000 Patreon a month. My thought and how I looked at that was it's almost like when you work with a client and the art director tells you, okay, like, you know, this is your deadline. And then secretly Mm -hmm. the art director goes, the deadline's really in three weeks after that, but they don't know. And it's so that you as the artist, when you hit that point and you're like, oh, hey, I actually need an extra day or I need mm-hmm. a few extra days to do this. And they go, Oh yeah, that's no worries. And you're just like, Oh, thank God. Huh. <laughs> and then you continue working towards that goal and you get it done, you turn it in. And then they're like, he, 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 they didn't know that the real deadline was actually <laughs> when I told them. And so that's kind of how I look at those, those types of goals is like, I, I realize that if I set a goal, like, you know, for me, if, wanting to do a magic card. I realize that that is an achievable goal that I will do one day. Mm-hmm. I'm Naruto. I'm going to be the Hokage. Believe it. Yeah. But do I know when that's going to happen? No, because there are so many factors that go into it. 
and it would be very easy to get hung up on that and be like, oh, it's not, not ever going to happen. I don't do the typical magic look and style and feel, blah, 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 blah. But I don't know what the future of magic holds. Mm-hmm. And there might be a set that comes out that's perfect for me. And I've gotten my work in front of art directors and I know that they like it. Yeah. It's just a matter of they need to have the right thing for me. Yeah, that plays to your strengths. So I think it's fine to have those those goals that you might, you know, sensible, you might be able to look at and go, I can't do that. Or like, that's too much. Ah, yeah. Um, to go forward five years, mm-hmm. I wrote for everything I want to have a history of gallery shows, mm-hmm. a significant social media following, which supports me independently, mm-hmm. freedom to travel and to drink up life. I want to cook very well. I wrote, I want to become a culture guide, which is a weird way of saying that I want to appreciate culture and food and lifestyle. And so when people are like, hey, Beth, uh, where's a good place to eat in this city? I can tell them exactly where. Hey, Beth, what's a good thing to go and do if I'm in town for two weeks? I can tell them like a whole list of things. That's what I mean by being a culture guide. I just want to be like, have my roots in a community and know what the cool places are and to recommend people and be connected to others. Yeah. I want to write comedy and critical theory. I want to have friends over weekly, a large and enriching social circle. So those five years from now goals are not the unachievable. I didn't put those like unachievable number things in. Yeah. Those are heart goals. Those ones. I also didn't write, have a dog. (laughs) So apparently I want a dog for two years. Well, you already have the dog, so you would assume that the dog would still be there five years later. Maintain the dog. (laughs) Goal for five years from now. So what, I suppose the final big question that we did not answer, and that we will try to figure out right now, live, Hmm. is what does this mean? Like, the ways that we answered these questions today, and the ways that we discussed our answers, what conclusions do you draw for yourself about what your life path might look like to go back to the Pokemon comparison. Yeah. It, 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 I think it perfectly shows how each of us have tendencies that we naturally lean towards. Yeah. And I think that in itself will create a path for us if we, you know, continue down that road. And if we know our strengths, we can also bolster our weaknesses. Do you want to take a stab at defining what that path is for you? I think that path for me would be leaning into and and letting myself do those, you know, very people-focused things and, you know, try to lift the people up around me. But I also recognize that I have a tendency to not take care of myself sometimes. Mm. And I have a tendency to sacrifice my own time and money and energy to either help others, which, you know, sometimes is really great and it's fulfilling and it, it makes me happy. And other times it drains me and I should focus a little bit more on myself. So maybe that's an important piece of this to walk away with is like next time you ask yourself these questions, pay attention to your own personal needs independent of sort of like what's 
expected of you to be a good boy because you are a good boy and I am a good girl. And there are ways of being in the world that are those things. But Mm -hmm. if we let ourselves free of those rules that are just in our heads, um, some of that is still true, but not at the detriment of our own selves. Yeah. What about you? I still have some work to do, man. I think the difficult thing that I'm learning that I have to sit down and do is to go ahead and grab those unachievable dreams and then break them down into smaller portions that are achievable, that I can check off over the course of five years. Because maybe it is that I can make $200,000. I just can't wait for a couple $75,000 commissions to drop into my lap. I have to instead develop some things that will earn me money behind the scenes and uh, do a couple of freelance projects with very good clients and maintain um, mm-hmm. an online community that, that you know, through Patreon and whatnot. Like, it, there's, there's a math equation to that that yeah. I haven't done because it feels so much better to just say the goal out loud and, and not do the work. So, annoyingly... I don't have a clear path in front of me from doing this work, but some things that have come up that I didn't really recognize before was Mm -hmm. um, nature, like my desire, strong desire to be closer to nature, to spend time just like looking at moss for 40 minutes, (laughs) to craft, which has come out of my own understanding of myself through this podcast, like me talking about shit that I like. I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to spend time making things that don't matter that are yeah. just nice for the sake of niceness. I mean, yeah, I put that, you know, bit about wanting to make weird art and just like, yeah. you know, have the ability to 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 experiment and try different stuff rather than feeling trapped by the rhythm of, oh, I got to, you know, do my thumbnail sketch. I got to do my nicer <laughs> sketch. I got to do my color study. Yeah. I got to give it to the client. <laughs> <laughs> day to day which is good to know and good to do but man breaking yeah. out of some I, I gotta break out of this this compulsion that i have uh to keep a schedule of content creation because yeah. the more stuff you produce the faster your audience is gonna grow i don't want to care about that stuff and and something that's been happening almost magically because of this podcast because of my closer relationship with you now is i'm seeing examples suddenly of uh, you making personal work mm-hmm. that appeals to people on a intuitive level. And then I let myself share my personal work and it appealed to people on an intuitive level. And suddenly I have tasted the fruit that is making stuff that matters mm-hmm. over making things to appease the big money box in the cloud. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to be like, my favorite content creators who post like three videos a year and they're all mm-hmm. bangers because they really care about the content that they're making. They care about what they're saying. I yeah. care about what I make. I'm just in this fog of, of expectation to make those things. I don't know. Constantly. Yeah. So this podcast, my live stream, these are fun, playful times where we discuss things and we joke around. Yeah. But then when it comes to my personal work and my video work, I think I want to commit myself to making things that I'm very proud of. Every single one I'm very proud of. 
Yeah. Not perfectionist proud of, just, you know, what we're talking about. It isn't just to, to meet a deadline. It's because it's worth saying. I think you brought up uh, an important point about, you know, getting to talk about those things on the podcast. And I think yeah. that's been one of my favorite things about this. And I wonder if this might be uh, extra credit for our homework for the next episode, but maybe thinking about ways that we can help each other um, move forward on those paths. Yeah. Like, like it, for me in general, I'm thinking like, oh, how can I, how can I help Beth ignore the numbers, ignore the analytics? How can I be a, a team member that's like, I got this and then like shields you from it so you can make your <laughs> own thing and get the t- touchdown or goal or whatever the hell it is. I don't know sports. And I need to figure out how I can help you be silly and pull those kooky ideas out and let them live and exist in their deformed ways on the internet <laughs> for people to appreciate and, and take pleasure in. Yeah. Both of us would benefit from learning how to chase our bliss, to identify and then chase our bliss. Mm-hmm. And that's that's 2022, I think. Yeah. This has been really fun talking about this. It has. I've never been good at being the person who has like a five-year plan or a 10-year plan or blah, blah, blah. Like I'm very much like, okay, well, I can't see past next Friday. And all Mm -hmm. I'm concerned about is what happens between now and next Friday. And then after that, another week will exist after next Friday. And then I can plan to the next Friday or the Mm -hmm. next month or the next six months. And... It it's fun, not not necessarily fun. It's rewarding mm. to sit down and and think about these things because, like I said earlier, it's kind of scary. Like I think that's part of the reason why I kind of avoid it. And it's one of those things where it's like you're like, oh, this is scary, but then when you actually do it, you're like, oh, this isn't this isn't that bad. Yeah, I want to talk about that fear for the second. This is maybe the last thing we'll leave off on. Mm-hmm. That fear comes from change the fear of change because when you let yourself sit down and address problems that keep arising patterns of problems that arise in your life or desires that you've had for a long time that you haven't satisfied oftentimes what will come out of those difficult discussions with yourself is the realization that there are certain things in your life that you have to change there might be people that you have to cut out there might be Mm -hmm. um, locations that you have to stop attending habits that are not serving you Things that bring you comfort and security and safety that are holding Mm -hmm. you back from the things that will bring you reward and joy and fulfillment. And that change, it's scary. It's brave to be vulnerable. It's brave to be sincere. And that's difficult work to do. Thank Mm -hmm. you for doing it with me. I also felt like I was pulling teeth to get here. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if... Anybody who's listening to this, if they're going to go and ask these these questions, again, link in the description and on our Twitter to the video that like all of this is pulled from. It's the beginning of the year and that's the right time to start. We have beginning of the year energy right now to help yes. us kind of make these discoveries about ourselves. And I hope that this was cool to listen to. Because it was cool to talk about it. Do you have an artist that you want to share this week? I do. Her name is Jizu, 
and she goes by G Soupy. <laughs> I love that name. Oh I, my god! Mm. <laughs> I feel like I've seen I've seen the mushroom one, the one Ooh. I don't know where I'm going, but I think it's somewhere good, mm-hmm. which is very thematic for this episode. Well, there you go. Let's talk about that piece. Uh, as of this recording, that's her most recently published piece on Instagram. And it's a little frog with a backpack going down a path mm-hmm. of a bunch of really tall mushrooms. And it says, I don't know where I'm going, but I think it's somewhere good. I love this artist. She's on YouTube. She's an absolute delight. She posts these super duper long, like, shop packing videos that are just pleasant. Yeah. And she plays, like, Animal Crossing vibey music in the background. Stuff is so much fun. It's so fun. <laughs> There's a sticker that's a little frog that looks like a little like mischievous and it just says up to no good. <laughs> I love her. If you want to brighten up your day with some breezy, charming artwork from somebody who is not afraid to be vulnerable through her work, Jisupi. Oh, that was like such a good artist pick. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet at us at your art friends, just like Jen, who actually messaged me on Instagram, but said something very sweet and I wanted to share it. Uh, Jen reached out and said, I found you on TikTok. I'm an artist located in New York, and I didn't realize you created your art friends. Yo, I've been listening to it weekly for inspiration and advice. Thank you so much, homie. You guys are so helpful, and us artists got to stick together. Yes, Jen Brown. Game recognized game. Thank you so much for that message. It brightened my day. You can also email us at yourartfriendspod at gmail.com. You can find me at Beth B. Red all over the internet. What am I up to? I live stream on Mondays at noon Pacific Standard Time. I also have two D&D projects going on pre-D&D, my comedy Dungeons & Dragons podcast with our producer James Gressel and my husband Mike Seigen. I also do a D&D campaign on Runaway Robots Twitch channel through Diefall, that's the group, and we're doing a campaign through Hell, which I don't think will ever end. <laughs> it was gonna Which be like is a thematic couple... and on point for <laughs> Dean and Al. Yeah. It was going to be a couple months, and now we're like maybe a quarter of oh the way through God. the campaign, and like this shit's going to go on for the next year at the rate that we're going. But it's a lot of fun. It happens every other Tuesday over on his channel. Uh, follow me on Twitter to get like notifications for when that goes live. And those are the two things I'm doing. What's up with you, Andrew? Uh, Not a whole lot, but you can find me at Schmandrew Art all over the internet. I will be opening my online store again in the next few weeks. So if you want to know when that happens, please follow me on uh, Instagram and Twitter uh, or TikTok even. And with that, we've come to the end of the podcast. Sometimes we were serious. And that's just what you get when two friends are met because of a (laughs) show. Making things in a fair ass hang out together. (laughs) No jokes in this one. Your Art Friends is a More Park Media production. Our music is by Andrew Smith. You can listen to his music on Spotify and iTunes under the name Makeshift Radio. 